Hello and welcome to this all-new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show! I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature poet today is Therese Broderick. She's from the Albany, New York area. She's lived there a long time. And just about anything you can do with poetry, she does it. She says she's busy writing, publishing, performing, teaching, judging contests, and more. And recently making homemade books of poetry, handcrafted Uh, hand-stitched books. A current project is she has a lending library of books by area poets. This just at her house. She just has a bunch of books and she lends them out to people who would like to borrow them. And so, as you can imagine, I'm real happy to have Therese here because we're going to have an interesting talk. So, Therese, maybe we should start. Tell us about the library. How's it work? Can people just come to your house and borrow books and and they bring them back? <laughs> yes, it's a, a free library, free to anybody. And it has about 400 items, books, journals, chapbooks, ephemera, broadsides. So it started 23 years ago, <clears throat> very organically, when I first became involved in the local poetry community, going to open mics and festivals and uh, critique groups. And of course, I Uh, met people who had books and they were selling their own books and I would start buying them. You know, there's a reciprocal relationship oftentimes between poets who are networking in a close community. So I just kept adding to the collection and I would go to, there's these fabulous used book sales at the Schenectady County Public Library, the best ones in the Capital District. So I would go there twice a year and they often had uh, chapbooks or books by local poets. And so I would rifle through their their boxes and, and I would get some there. And then also the wonderful local bookstores, the bookstore Stuyvesant Plaza in Albany and the Market Block Books in Troy, they have dedicated local poetry sections. So I love going there and just looking through on the spines and seeing if if any new poet has been added that that I'm not familiar with that you know I never met in person so so that that's how it grew over time and I wanted to as you said earlier unique I wanted to be I, I love offering something unique to my community that hasn't isn't being offered by someone else right 
And, and this is definitely a skill of mine that I have and that I love uh, buying books and reading them and making them available to others. So last year I decided, or, or I'm not sure if it was last year, or the year before, but I decided it was ready for me to offer as a formal service to the community. And so I, 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 I typed up a list of all the authors and titles and I put it on my blog so that the whole list was available for anybody to take a look at and I update it regularly. And then I, I took a traveling exhibit of it to the, the, the Albany Book Festival at the University of Albany, co-sponsored mm -hmm. by the New York State Writers Institute. So I had a whole table with a display and information about the library. And so even then, even then, one person who was going through the book festival stopped at my table, looked at my books and said, oh, can I read that one? <laughs> so, his, so I gave it, you know, I gave it to him right away. And I have um, once I once I was going to an open mic and I had some with me again because I, I like to talk about them and display them at open mic. So to remind people that they're there and, and he said, oh, can I read this book? So I gave it to him and I have one particular friend. It's nice because she's not involved at all in the local poetry community, but she writes poems on her own in private. Hmm. And she's become recently really interested in the books here. So I brought several of them to her house. And that's that's really nice, you know, because that's like an extension yeah. into into the 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 non nuclear nucleus of the local poets <laughs> right. but but i hope to um offer it to high schools as a traveling exhibit i can come in and i want to inspire students who have no idea that there are so many poets locally working in their basements or working at lunchtime in their jobs or you know working right between trips to daycare so I'm hoping to do that and I'm uh it, it, I, I'm hoping it will will grow in that way and, and offer as another service and I can also offer workshops while I'm exhibiting the local poetry books I do workshops I'm developing a new workshop in metaphor and I do all kinds of other poetry workshops. So, so that that's my my dream for right. it. Oh, what I love about it is, well, I guess, well, it's like the reason I do this is just because I think the world's a better place if it has more poetry in it. And it seems like uh, we share that value and, uh, and you're out there doing the, all these things. That's so cool. Well, I love it. It is a, it is a passion and, uh, it 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 it's sir you know my life right now serves poetry because our daughter is 30 and she's long gone out of the house and my husband frank and i are retired so this poetry is pretty much my life now great well the world's better for it so that's very cool well also while we're here we do want to hear some of your poetry so let's hear a poem sure and before I read my poetry, I just want to um, honor some of the local African-American poets because we're, you and I are recording today on the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
holiday. Uh, and sure. although I'm not going to read their poems because I didn't uh, ask for permission, I'm just going to mention one local poet who's just blazing her way, working so incredibly hard. And her name is D. Period Colin, C-O-L-I-N. She has this fabulous book called Dreaming in Creole. And she is involved in so many activities and community projects and poetry events. And she has a Facebook page. So I encourage people to check her out because as far as, you know, poetry by, by you know, exciting young uh, Black poets. She is the future. She is the future Very of the cool. poetry community in our area. And so just Sweet. a shout out to Dee Colin before I read some of my own poems. So I'll, I'll read this one. I'll start with this one, Ice Balloons. Christmas Eve, my sister walks me outside to see the balls of ice, opaque and creamy as mother of pearl, adorning her patio stones. Three nights ago, she inflated a dozen globes at her kitchen faucet, knotted each neck, froze them on the porch. Latex gone, they now glow on the ground like the milky trail of Vagi, migrating caravan by caravan. I remember the prayer my sisters and I would whisper into the polished ceramic faces of Mary, Joseph, and the Holy Child. Halos lit by a crystal bow dangling above our manger 50 years ago. Nowadays, none of us praise. Even so, we still enchant, ignite delight, unwrap presence, sleep in one room at the inn, wake to winter's melt. You, you want really, me to read more, or you, we'll go. But you you can really do that, eh? You can really make um, a nice balloon. Yes, she did, and it was so magical and mystic, and I've never seen them before. And they're, you know, just go on YouTube, and you can find a whole a demo <laughs> of how to make ice balloons. Okay, folks, you heard it here first, probably. <laughs> ice balloon—that's a great idea. Yeah, how cool. Sure, read another poem, then we'll chat some. Sure, my my daughter Elizabeth, who's 30, is now living and working in London. And so these next two poems are related to um, a trip my husband and I took to London to meet her and uh, meet her partner and uh, see her new apartment. So we were taking the tube a lot. <laughs> So this poem is called Taking the Tube, London, October, 2022. The doors of our train car close a couple notches, then swiftly reopen as four breathless boys 
bound inside and pounce upon a bench, their freckled teacher whooshing in behind them. She takes a firm hold of the center stanchion, finding balance, then calls out to her pupils, two bums per seat, please. <laughs> and so the giggling youngsters dressed in world school jackets jostle and sidle into place, shrinking their occupancy from four to two. Ankles crossed, hip bones snuggled, shoulders bunched, smiles widening as they snicker playfully back and forth about Nolan's crooked tie, Luke's collar, Yazir's loose button, Dovud's shoelace, their Friday afternoon's four untucked shirt tails. We riders who can't help but listen are chuckling and smiling, relaxing at last into the company of boys who've been taught by love and exile and friendship always to make room for strangers to set down their bundles, but never, never mock the name of your neighbor. Yeah. Now, before we came on, you were telling me about um, a workshop that you had developed. And uh, I have to admit, well, of course, I did not go and get an MFA. So I never heard serious talk about tone. And you yes. said you did. You looked into it and worked up some things. T tell me, tell us about tone. What what does it mean to you? And and what can what can I do about it in my in my poetry? Well, absolutely, Charlie. That's why I took a deep dive into the topic and developed the wor uh, workshop a worksheet because I did not find that it was addressed significantly in. Mm -hmm. um, other workshops or classes or the conferences um, I went to because I, I've come to think that the most important thing for me to ask a student in my classroom or anyone who wants to know about poetry is this question. How does this poem make you feel? And the thing is that that question is not asked a lot, I think, because people and students are not fluent with the vocabulary of feelings. And recently though, fortunately, there's been a lot more attention to the vocabulary of feelings in high schools and even grade schools. And in, uh, for example, seminars or classes on nonviolent communication, which I took one, Classnet, and the focus of those kinds of efforts are to give people a vocabulary for all the different nuances of their emotions. And then they can identify and state it. And so I'm coming from tone and poetry from, those, from two directions, from the importance of being aware of your emotional state and from the direction of how important it is to poetry, because I tend to think that 
the whole poem, tone is the emergence that comes out of the mechanics and the energies of everything else in a poem. And what comes out, what is, um, so to speak, the, the final presentation of the poem is the tone, the tone of the speaker in the poem or the tone of the poet who's reading aloud in an open mic. And so that's what my worksheet focuses on. Yeah. In other words, tone, tone is the lens through which I look at all the other elements of poetry. And tone is what I want my students to identify with the language of, of emotional vocabulary. And so I think that one of the most important things any poet, any working poet can do in writing a poem is to re <clears throat> excuse me, record it in their own voice and listen back to it. And I think that reveals to poets, wow, I didn't realize that that was the tone of voice I was using, or that was not the tone I was intending to use. Hmm. And so I do that. I, I record my poems and I, I listen, listen back. Yeah. And at, at one point I even had this little formula for how, what tone, what um, medley or um, combination of tones I wanted to achieve in a, in a poem. And the three ingredients were um, intimacy, urgency, and bittersweetness. <laughs> so you know how you know how some people describe the flavors um, or the the notes of a glass of wine or, or kind of wine. And so that's what I'm thinking of. Like those were the three notes that I wanted to achieve in in a poem that I wrote. I've changed since then. <laughs> Because of course, uh, everyone is constantly changing as they sure. go through phases and get older. And so that isn't exactly my formula now more. It, the tone more is more wonder and gratitude. Uh, it, that's the, the kind of tone I'd like to achieve nowadays. Okay. I don't want to push too hard on this. I don't know if this is a hard question or not, but would this apply to any poem? In other words, could we go back and talk and say, what's the tone with the tube poem that you read? Yes, yes, uh, oh. absolutely. And uh, but when I when I'm talking to students, I also do, you know, I, I don't want to make it scary. And I uh, mm -hmm. so they, I, you know, I ask them to react. They don't have to react to the whole poem. But if there's just oh. one segment that they react to. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe one segment makes them a little bit anxious or one segment makes them feel calm or one segment makes them feel angry. And that's also another wonderful way for students to learn that the, 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 their feelings can change during one poem and even oh, yeah. from reading, you know, from individual reading to reading of that poem. And that's a lesson that can carry over into their life. You know, I've done a lot of uh, daily practice of, of uh, Buddha, uh, particular Buddhist meditation and also the training that I've had in nonviolent communication is is all a way of, of re, you know, reminding oneself that difficult emotions shift and change um, over time. So... 
so yeah, I think you know the tone of ice balloons again. It's it's a t- I hope anyway that my intention for the tone was one of wonder and delight at this this mar- marvelous surprise that my sister uh, made for us on Christmas Eve, and also uh, um, a bit of gratitude, say for the Catholic upbringing I had in the sense that that very warm, intimate and loving scene in the manger was something that we found every single Christmas morning when, you know, as kids, we got up and, you know, the manger was there and it was lit. And it's uh, a symbol for my sisters and I now, not necessarily of Catholicism, because none of us practices it anymore, but we still put that manger up. Um, mm-hmm. as a as a reminder of the loving family we grew up in. And, uh, you know, uh, taking the two again, I was hoping that the tone was um, affection, great affection and admiration for these young boys and for the teacher. And, when, you know, taking the two in London is a, multicultural <laughs> adventure. <laughs> uh, there's so many people from all over the world and so many languages you hear. And I was just so impressed with this teacher that she would, that she, obviously this had been a rule of taking the kids on the train, which is that you don't sprawl, <laughs> you know, right. and, I, you know, in the sense of a colonial um context you don't sprawl and take over territory that that someone else might need right and you right. take as few resources as you as you need but not more than that and um so i i hope that the tone was affection and admiration and just delight delight in this this scene which was both yeah. funny and very poignant well, let's hear another poem. Sure. The time is flying by. I hate that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I'll I'll do this one. I'll, I'll try to read it rather quickly. My oh, husband no. wrote a my husband wrote a book a while back called The Case for Rational Optimism, and he and I tease each other, and he, about optimism. Uh, you know, he he comes from a very rational, logical point of view, mm-hmm. and I come from you know from it from kind of like the Buddhist point of view. Um, So here's a poem addressed to Frank, to the author of The Case for Rational Optimism. Baby rats whose bellies are tickled in labs grow up filled with gumption, eager to scamper through the tightest mazes. The best case for rational optimism, my love, argues in favor of training parents to tickle the bejesus out of their young. Sweetie, your tummy must have been tickled a thousand times by Grandpa Otto, passing on to you his gusto for survival. And he, in turn, tickled by a nursemaid, tending his handmade cradle in a forested German village. It has been said it's a mitzvah to tickle an orphan a sacred deed 
rekindling the will to live. Limber fingers frolicking on tender skin, blissful fits of giggles, beatific infant squeals, dozens of tiny, rapid, ecstatic spasms, shattering open a heart's cage. Mm. It's a great thesis. The tickling is the answer. I love that. Oh, and one more thing I did want you to comment on. I noticed among your activities with poetry included some performances of poetry and Tai Chi. And I'm wondering, how did, what is that about? How did you pull that off? How did you do that? Well, I'm, I'm primarily a lyric poet. I love lyric poetry. But of course, there's no pure kind of poetry. Lyric poetry also has a bit of a dramatic scene and also has a bit of music. Um, so I wanted a way to bring into my physical life rhythm and motion, which is which I introduced into my life through the practice of Tai Chi. And um, scene setting, which I got a few tips from looking at some fiction worksheets but also hmm. scene setting in that I draw a picture of a scene and I label it with nouns before I write the poem. And that reminds me, those three ingredients, you know, my own personal emotional experience is the lyric emotional part, but the Tai Chi brings into my life physical movement so that hopefully over time I can be more sensitive and alert to the rhythms in my own poems and the rhythms in other people's poems. And you know, that, that rhythmic awareness goes back to one of the origins of poetry in a ritual in which there's, you know, music and dancing, right? And some kind of spell binding, right? So um, that's, it. I've been practicing Tai Chi now for about five years and it's a wonderful, it, wonderful experience. Not only is it really mm. good for health. I mean, my primary care physician says, I am so healthy. I need like no drugs and my bones are really dense and strong. So not only is it for physical health. So in my life, I can keep doing poetry because I'm healthy. Um, but it's also a meditation. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, never run into that one. Another unique point for you. That's great. <laughs> of combining Taiji and poetry. But it makes sense because, well, mindfulness undermines it all, I think, underlies it all. So uh, that it fits together beautifully. Well, Therese, I see that we have done it. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's our time. I'm really so glad appreciate you it. Thank you. So glad you could do this and tell us about all these various interesting things like ice balloons and and the London tube and and tone. I think that's just such a cool concept to to really get serious about. So folks, you've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. Our guest today, Therese Broderick from Albany, New York. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. 
I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>